When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Esther, we're sitting here talking to Kate Layden. We are. She is the founder of Chicago's boutique destination for wellness and beauty, Ruby Room, is a lover of all things beauty and wellness. Kate has 34 years experience in the professional beauty, wellness, and hospitality industry in sales, marketing, management, education, branding, retail, and product development. She is also the owner of Humbled Hospitality, a unique collection of six event and experience properties which include Ruby Room, GNL Fire Escape, Loft 606, The Woodlands, The Polina, and Gold Star Bar. Her passion is to leave a beauty mark on the face of the wellness industry through her commitment to healing, energy, and all things positive. I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. And I'm Esther Ikoro, And we're the hosts of the Honest Field Guide podcast. Entrepreneurship is no joke. The journey is full of anticipation, failure, hope, and disappointment. You'll make money and be totally broke at the same time. The Honest Field Guide podcast tells you the truth. We know being an entrepreneur is crazy hard and you will sometimes cry dinner. Listen in to be inspired, laugh, and learn how to really thrive on your business journey. Welcome, Kate. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the creative inspiration behind this amazing Ruby Room experience that you've built. And I want to start with how the dog inspired the name Mm. for it and all of this. Uh, When we were coming up with the concept, the whole point was to take intuitive services and energetic services and unveil them to the mainstream public in a way that wasn't overly hippy-dippy-doo. And... I was just really looking like what embodies unconditional love and passion and acceptance and in my life at that time, my standard poodle (laughs) was it. And I wanted to build a place where people could come no matter where they were in their life and that what they would walk into something that would speak to them at that moment um, and inspire them to learn more about themselves, inner and outer and feel comfortable and feel accepted. So Ruby was the name of my my poodle at the time, and she was that shining bright light. And so hence the name Ruby Room. Was that your first business? Yes. And what did you do before? I worked for 12 years in corporate for two major beauty brands, and I traveled in sales, marketing, and education. So I was out in the field, working with thousands of estheticians, massage therapists, hairdressers, doing a lot of platform teaching, um, working with beauty schools, and talking to people in the beauty industry on a daily basis. That experience definitely propelled me towards Ruby Room and taking the beauty industry out from behind just being the surface and what you see on the outside and wanting to create something that really looked at the individual from the inside out. And how did you decide to leave corporate? That's a safe, comfortable, Mm -hmm. insurance-based, you know, network, comfy experience. Yeah, I loved it. I will say that. And I loved the companies that I worked for. 
Um, for me, I burnt myself out and hit the wall. I was literally traveling two, three weeks at a time and then get 24, 48 hours to recoup and then get back on a plane. So I hit the wall, I got very sick, and I wound up with severe pneumonia and in the hospital. And I just knew kind of at that point, like I can't physically do this anymore. And so my boss, an owner of the company that I worked for at the time, Michael Gordon, who founded Bumble and Bumble, called me on the phone after I got back from the hospital and he's like, I just want to thank you for everything you've done, and I want to send you somewhere that I go to rejuvenate. And so he sent me on an eight-day fast to a spa called We Care Health Spa, and I fasted for eight days. And I learned a lot about what was important, but honestly, that experience led me to the whole concept of Ruby Room. And then during that you know, eight-day fasting, what happened? Did you have a moment of silence? Did you hear things that sort yeah. of said, I have an idea? Yeah, all of the above. When you don't eat, everything kind of gets... <laughs> I'm hungry right Man. now. I'm starving right now. I haven't had any <laughs> breakfast. Okay, so when you don't eat... Everything happens? gets magnified. Your taste buds wake up. Your eyes get clearer. I mean, obviously, you lose weight, but you, you, you realize how much of the day is spent eating, thinking about eating, thinking about what your next meal is while you're eating, <laughs> drinking, you know, you spend a good part of your day. Sounds about right. Thinking about it. And so when you don't have that in front of you, it really does free up a lot of space to realize what you obsess about and what you're doing that is taking up your life energy. And so it does leave you a lot of time to think and reflect and sleep better and go on hikes and really be in the moment. And so that experience definitely hit the reset, but it cleared everything out. It's like, like everything just kind of cleared. And so your thinking becomes a lot more clear um, and you can make a lot better decisions when you're coming from that place. How long did it take after your eighth? day fast cleansing experience. When I was there close to my last day, I had a vision um, of a place. I kept hearing heal from the inside out. And so I was just hearing that phrase randomly while I was there. Probably about a week later, my husband and I were out to eat and I literally saw Ruby Room. Like I saw the physical space and then it clicked like that's what it meant heal from the inside out because I had been working in beauty and it was all about exterior even though I worked for two companies that were very kind of energetically aware um, and very conscious it became very clear like I want to use everything that I've learned and roll it into something that takes the industry of beauty into wellness and keep it fresh um, and so that whole concept of creating a space totally devoted to intuitive and energetic arts to help people really find out who they are from the inside while they're also taking care of their outside. And so how they feel inside is reflected, you know, on things like the skin and the hair and all of that. Esther and I always talk about fear and being afraid to mm -hmm. do things and being afraid to change. Did you have fear when you had this vision or did you not have fear? I was terrified. 
For sure. Definitely. A ton of fear. Um, I took a year to research Ruby Room before we actually opened. I wanted to really study the industry as it was because it's an undeveloped industry. Um, Intuitive work, there's really no college that you have to go to to become an intuitive reader or to work intuitively with people. So I spent a year interviewing over 160 intuitive psychics, mediums, astrologers, numerologers, really getting to know them as people, but also having them do services for people and watch that process and see what unve- how did people unveil their information or were they, were they trusting the person enough to unveil. And so just that whole process of that year, taking time to really study it and knowing what I was getting into, I think gave me a lot more confidence going into you know the final result, which was opening the brick and mortar. Intuitive. This is the second time I've heard the word intuitive. How do you become an intuitive? I met I met a woman who is an intuitive mm-hmm. um, at a conference recently, and she came into our space, and um, she did some kind of air clearing mm-hmm. of before she came to the space, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating. And I actually did get scared. I did. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really honest. <laughs> Esther's smiling. She's looking at me. I actually got scared, and she she did something in the space, and everybody else is there like open, and I thought this is the time for me to check out because I'm freaking out. So I actually got up and left and she understood. She says, I totally understand it. You know, I get it. And, you know, I walked away and I actually, the funny thing is, is we actually have a relationship and a friendship now, which is amazing. But you are an intuitive. Talk about what it means to be an intuitive in the context of what you're doing at Ruby Room. I will say first, everybody is an intuitive. Everybody has intuition. It is a legit um, attribute that we are all born with. And it's that sixth sense. It's that sense that something's not right. It's that sense that something is right. It's that sense when you meet someone like, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you. It's that, that deep inner sense of knowing that we all possess You either pay attention to it or you run the opposite direction. So, um, (laughs) which I did. Yeah. So, but I would guess that you ran the other direction is because you recognize something so deep in yourself that scares you. And so, whenever you run the opposite direction, it's that fear. But you know, you operate by intuition all day long. I do too. And So when I'm not a practicing intuitive in that I see clients, um, I use my intuition in terms of business and working with other people and developing my brand and creating space for other people to experience their intuition. With Ruby Room being an interesting marriage of the spiritual and the beauty side, were there other examples that you had to pull from or is was this all your creation from scratch and and thinking about what this experience should look like from the the customer side so that was really the fun part um i had an incredible education and exposure to thousands of salons and wellness centers and schools in my 12 years so 
I did definitely pull from aesthetics and things that I loved about the businesses that I had an opportunity to be in along the way. When it came to the spiritual side of things, I really didn't have a template. This was the part that got totally created from my intuition. And how do I marry mainstream services with a category that really hadn't been developed? So I do feel Ruby Room was truly the first of its kind in that it took mainstream and married it with all things energy and spiritual in a way that wasn't intimidating. And it also took intuitive services out from behind the dark curtain and the neon palm in the window, which is what, you know, either intrigues you or repels you. So it was the, uh, you know, the stripping away of all of that stigma that was attached to the spiritual side of things. And that was the fun part in coming up with the aesthetic, the menu, the offerings, and that I really got to play with my creative side. And who doesn't love crystals? They're sparkly and they're colorful and they're fun. And so that was the fun part of like, how do I bring crystals to the masses in a way that they're like, holy smokes, I, you know, I can't wait to learn more. You know, I love that because when we first met, we met at our good friend's house, and um, she has a home in, um, I think, uh, somewhere in Michigan on the lake, and she invited um, some Mm. of her, you know, closest women friends for a gathering. And for me, it was my first time away from home. If you remember, Kate, I do. <laughs> my first time leaving yeah. my children. I do. I know everybody. I mean, and I, I remember driving in my car. It was really late because um, I think it was my, it might have been 11 o'clock at night or something. And I left all the kids at home and the husband. And my husband was like, where are you going? And when are you coming back? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to go hang out with some women in a house on a beach somewhere. You know what I mean? And it was just such a bizarre thing. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, everybody was, you know, open arms, hello, welcoming. And I met you, and you just sort of like glided around and glided towards me. And I remember we had a conversation, and I didn't even know at the time that you were an intuitive. You know, I didn't understand that. I didn't even know what I was dealing with when I walked into this place. I was just open. Mm-hmm. You brought a necklace to me, which I still have, and it was a crystal. And you explained to me the properties around it, who made it, what it's supposed to do for you, how it's supposed to help. And the whole entire weekend we were there, You know, we had delicious food. We had um, a meditation um, experience, which I'd never done in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a masseuse there as well. There was someone helping us create dance movements, um, just sort of freeing our body, which I found really uncomfortable. I mean, the whole thing was slightly uncomfortable for me because I hadn't (laughs) done it before. But on the other hand, I was also overwhelmed by the experience that this type of a world exists, which I had never seen before. Mm And that was the first time I met you and heard about the Ruby Room. And of course, after that, I became a Ruby Room customer because mm-hmm. the thing that, you know, you're talking about the inside of Ruby Room, but but my experience is as I'm walking down Division Street almost every day because my children go to school down the street and this is my neighborhood, you have this huge, beautiful logo, which I want to talk about who created that logo. Mm-hmm. The lights that are shining from within beckon you to want to wanna go and look at the window. When you go up to the window from the street, there's these beautiful crystals and potions and, and lotions and perfumes and jewelry just sort of, you know, glistening, mm-hmm. literally glistening and glowing from the window. I mean, how did you create that entire experience? And the branding itself really does feel like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that yeah. development process. Well, 
Crystals are energy, so they're literally batteries of energy. So crystals in and of themselves will draw energy in, and we are made up of energy. So, you know, when we talk about all these things, we are energetic human beings. What happens when our energy runs out? You know, we die physically. So all of these things that we carry, carry energy and they're vibrational in nature. So the fun part was making them the star. You know, crystals get recharged in sunlight. It's the only thing that actually physically can recharge a crystal. And so we put the crystal bar right in the window for that very very reason. But all of our products carry energy. And so um, it's almost like a dance when you get to work with all those fun products that A, I think visually are beautiful, B, they make you feel good, C, they're intriguing and you want to learn more, that that whole merchandising and the presentation of them, really just that does come intuitively. And for me, I'm very visually stimulated. And so I love, love, love to just get my hands into the product and merchandise it in a way that it pops and it gives every single product its right to shine. So switching gears a little bit, um, entrepreneurs, I feel like we are very unhealthy. Mm. You know, and I think it's getting worse. I think entrepreneurs are working themselves to death. Are you finding a different type of client coming into your shop or do you have a process that you can help entrepreneurs be healthier or mm-hmm. become healthier or feel healthier or recognize their health? Yeah, I do have um, a soft spot for entrepreneurs because it's a very scary role. You're extremely vulnerable, number one. You're taking on everybody's energy and you're also taking on the energy of the stress of paying the bills and not knowing where payroll is going to come from and not knowing how you're going to pay this and that. and navigating the city. I mean, there's just so many facets that people really don't recognize if you're not an entrepreneur. So managing your own energy is so important. And even more so for the entrepreneur to keep your energy clear and safe. Because if you're run down and you don't have energetic boundaries, you literally start drinking in and attracting negativity and toxic energy that comes from other people, places and situations that you're in. So A, learning how to cleanse your bubble of energy is really important. And if it is that five minutes in the morning where you're visualizing a huge sparkly um, stream of white light coming and penetrating through your whole body and truly like releasing all the negativity, carrying a crystal, it can be pulling a card in the morning to take focus and say, what's the three things I need to focus on today? And then I'm going to channel all my energy through that and trust the universe. That's a very powerful way for entrepreneurs to get focused. Pull a card? So intuitive guidance cards. Um, so tarot, but I like oracle cards because they're a lot simpler. Um, and so if it's a deck of whatever you like, angels, fairies, unicorns, it doesn't matter. If you pull three, I usually will just say, universe, tell me the three things I need to focus on today. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're freaking out every day you wake up. Pretty much. (laughs) And you're scattered and you're like, holy smokes, what am I supposed to be doing today? Because there's just, there's nothing but things you need to be doing. So for me, I need focus and pulling three cards and just saying, what do I need to funnel everything through today? It never fails. And literally, whenever I come up against something throughout the day, I remember that card if it says be patient or be quiet and like just let things 
You don't always have to talk, Kate. You don't always have to solve it. But I funnel my whatever happens externally, internally through these cards and the messages. Mm -hmm. And it's very helpful. You know, there's going to yoga and working out and all those things. Anything you can do to start spinning your energy in a positive direction, releasing the old stagnation and stuff that's not your own, recognizing when you're carrying somebody else's negativity that is not yours is really important as an entrepreneur because you get sucked in to other people's narratives and you get off your mark in terms of where it is that you want to go. You know, what jumped out at me about what you said earlier is that when you're an entrepreneur, you're taking everybody's energy because you're building someone else's thing, you know, generally speaking, or you're building something for someone else to consume Mm -hmm. or experience or whatever. You might be so involved in that space that you don't even know that it's happening. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like when you're talking about this, it sounds like if you don't help yourself and protect yourself against, you know, that negative potentially negative energy or even too much you're going to fail somewhere somehow yeah well like attracts like so if you're run down and you've got stinking thinking and you're negative guess who you're going to attract exactly those people and it will show in your organization you know I hired a lot of people for the wrong reasons you know and I allowed a lot of people to come into Ruby Room that were there for the wrong reasons they were there to get healed not to be of service to the client. You know, when I look back at 18 years of Ruby Room, I can see the patterns of when my energy was just coming from the wrong place and I was getting sucked in to other people's worries and dramas and I let it take me off course. And so my mind was toxic. You know, I was waking up with negativity. I was waking up with blaming people and not taking responsibility. And it, you know, it spins you out of control. This is a really great conversation because it's so insightful for a lot of different types of entrepreneurs. When entrepreneurs are trying to scale, you're trying to find your compliments, but in a lot of ways you're trying to sprinkle your magic and the way that you approach things and try to instill that and systematize that in the people that will then go forth and kind of help you scale and expand this business. And you're giving away pieces of your energy. And sometimes when you create a welcoming environment, in a welcoming culture, you attract people who, or you leave space for people, which is not always a bad thing, for people who then you're like, okay, now I have to put on my boss hat and Mm -hmm. say, this isn't working. How do you maintain that balance? So boundaries, and this is a big one, and um, this one took me a long time to actually figure out and employ it on a daily basis it's the setup of the relationship. And so after I started to recognize that I was opening the doors to all of this kind of leachy behavior that did not serve the organization, and it certainly wasn't going to serve the client, I really started to realize that I needed to have much stronger boundaries of what I was willing to do, not do, and to say what that was from the beginning of the relationship. And I was able to weed a lot of that out. But I got incredibly blunt about, you know, what was okay and not okay. And I did not let up on it. So if I saw just a little inkling of it trying to, you know, bad behavior or bad intentions really starting to leach in, I would have that conversation and have those tough conversations right out of the gate. 
And is that on an individual by individual basis? Is there an employee manual? How does this get baked into the company's DNA? There is an employee manual. I also have an agreement that speaks to, you know, you are not allowed to come into this organization and talk badly about it, talk badly about it out into the world. You're here to help. If something's not working, part of your role is to heal it and to seal down those leaks in the organization that are not, you know, making us as strong as we can be. Um, And so, yes, I do speak to it in terms of the employee manual. Um, I interview everyone and I sit down and say, these are my expectations. And I do share stories. You know, I'm looking at your resume and I'm noticing that you haven't been anywhere for a really long period of time. Tell me about that. And I do get in to kind of really understand who the individual is. And then I, you know, and then I will be very transparent and say that concerns me because you've not committed to anything long enough and it's going to take me a year to get you trained. So I don't have the energy to sit and get someone trained who's not totally clear on what they want. I think that what's important to also understand is you are you have a retail store, you have multiple stores where the people that you decide to be on the front line are working with customers mm-hmm. and they are the clothes. They're the clothes. They're the ones that help a customer make or break whether they're ever going to come back. The other piece, Kate, when you have employees work for you, they're not working for Unilever. They're working for Ruby Room, right? So what is your conversation like when you're talking to employees or potential employees? And how do you help them understand that this is a family-owned business my husband and I run this place, but I can tell you right now, you will never be CEO of Ruby Room. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what is that conversation like? Because I, and the reason I'm asking is that our podcast is about entrepreneurship and small businesses. And a lot of us have a very difficult time, and you explained earlier in the past, you have too, getting employees and having them mm-hmm. stick with you and work with you and understand that they're not really building their own dreams. They're actually helping you build yeah. yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does come up. I mean, even in the interview process, to me it comes down to somebody has to be passionate about what I'm doing. You know, if they're not interested or have shown some interest or passion towards what we do, it's not a good fit. But I do say, you know, this is an environment where you're going to have to wear a lot of hats. And not so much about the family-owned part because – It truly comes down to the willingness to be uncomfortable before you get comfortable in an entrepreneurial environment. Um, You don't know what's coming at you all the time. You don't live in a box and have just a title and this is all you answer to. You could be handling a multitude of things in any given 10 minutes. And so you need to be able to be adaptable to that. And I do have that conversation. If you want just to do one thing and only be relied upon to do one thing, this is not going to be the best place for you. But if you want the opportunity to be quick on your feet and learn a lot about yourself and other people in a small period of time, um, you're willing to be open to fail, to succeed, and some days you're not going to feel great about yourself and your knowledge. But my only expectation of you is that you're, you're open, willing, and that You love the environment enough to convey that to other people that walk through the door. And then wherever your skill set lies, 
be who you are in this given moment and just use your own experience of being in the brand as a means to talking to others. But to me, working at Ruby Room is an experience. I'm very giving when people come into my environment. I, knowledge is power, and the more people know, the better. I want people to have access to all the different things that come along with running a business. I think what you learn more than anything is how to manage chaos, you know, chaos. which is life. Mm-hmm. You know, but to manage chaos, chaos in a way that you maintain your integrity, your professionalism, and your sense of humor. And so I think... Our environment just speaks to, you know, life. Life is messy, you know, and so is customer service. It's messy. Not every customer's interaction is the same. I will also read people. You know, my staff, I will pay attention to the way that they said a certain thing and say, let's flip that. And let's see how this works if you say it just a little bit different. And I will zone in on every person that works in the organization and help them fine-tune their process. And that, I think, is invaluable. And when I was in sales, you know, marketing and education, um, it's being able to flip things from negative to positive. That's what I learned in corporate. And that was I loved that part of corporate. I loved the systemic part of corporate logistics and following the rules until you know that you can break the rules and achieve an even better result. It reminds me of the saying, you have to achieve mastery first before you can improvise. It's Mm -hmm. true. If you're going to play an instrument, you need to know what's going on before you start. Just so... You said that you know almost immediately if someone's not going to be a good fit, Mm -hmm. and you can also read your customers as Mm -hmm. well. And in a a client-facing service, just by the law of numbers, everyone's not going to be completely happy. How do you deal with negative feedback about or around your business? Mm. If something comes in, the first thing I want to do is talk to the people involved first before I talk to the client. I'd like to hear, you know, what they have to say. This is the feedback that's come in. Can you speak to it and tell me from your corner of the world what was taking place? Whenever something negative comes in, there's always truth. There's always some truth in there, but your job is to find it. And then for me, it's always an opportunity to figure out where you're falling down or how you can tweak the system to do things even stronger the next time. So I will speak to my staff. I'll then identify the breakdown and we'll coach on that right then and there. I get agreement. I'd like to invite this client back in to see you specifically because I want you to be able to move through it with this client. And then I'll speak with the client and say, we did, we fell down here and I'm very sorry. I would love it if you'd give us an opportunity to make this right. The client also learns how to go directly to the source and not jump on Yelp and don't jump on Google and Don't take your anger somewhere where you can't actually get it healed. Come to the source of where the trauma is happening. And so I always enjoy the process of working through conflict. It's an honor in a lot of ways because in this day and age, people just want to go and vomit all their negativity and anger over a certain circumstance. And it can be very damaging for the employee as well as for the organization. Sing so sweet, far from the city where my mama's 
how did you get to this person after 18 years? I mean, because you've not only got Ruby Room, Kate, you have multiple other businesses. You could have just stuck with Ruby Room and just let it go. Why in the world did you open up a bunch of other businesses? You've got a lot more to manage. You yeah. have children as well. So mm -hmm. where did you decide to say, this is what I want to be doing? Because earlier you said you love being in corporate. You yeah. could have just stayed. You could have just gone back. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure I they'll have you back now. <laughs> I know, right? You're like, I need to go back. I, I need to stop it. all this nonsense. Yeah. I mean, what made you decide to go further into the four other companies you have? Or is it five? I feel like every business kind of builds from the last business. And so a lot of the systems that we have in place are applicable to the other businesses. You know, they're all interfacing with clients. They're all in hospitality, um, navigating someone's experience to make sure it's a good one. So in a lot of ways with Ruby Room, we went through a lot of the trials and tribulations. And so all of that template was able to be used in the other businesses. Two of the businesses we bought that were old Prohibition era businesses. And yeah, Gold Star Bar, right? Yeah, you just bought that last year. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that brand. You know that that logo is the coolest. It is. I saw cool an brand. ad for the first time on a bench. Yeah. On da is it on okay. Damon? Yeah. Was it on Damon? It's on Division. I have Division. I've never seen them run an ad before, but of course now there's a new owner mm -hmm. in town. And it's Kate, and she knows how to brand and market. Mm -hmm. I think both of those businesses, we wanted to maintain the integrity of what that business was to begin with. We just wanted to zhuzh it up, you know, mm -hmm. clean it up a little bit, bring it up to speed, make sure that it's accessible to all kinds of people. Both of those businesses you'd walk in the door and you would immediately feel uncomfortable if you didn't know anyone. And we felt uncomfortable walking into both businesses. And so our challenge there was to quite literally set the bar for what the energy needs to be of that space and be okay to let go a lot of the business that was not in alignment with that. And so Gold Star was a great example. We really did turn over probably 80% of the clientele because they they were not inclusive enough to welcome all people into the space. But I think all of the businesses are similar yet different and that it all really is creating systems that release the chaos or reduce chaos in order um, to kind of to open yourself up to the public and to give them an experience that they are going to walk away feeling good about. I want to ask you about social media because you know, our agency is doing a lot of work mm -hmm. on social media, has been for quite a bit of time. I've noticed over the last year how fake everything's starting to oh. look. You know, faces, skin perfection, all the filters, things like that. Um, I mean, you're in a health and wellness and beauty space. So my first question is, how do I be beautiful without using an Instagram filter? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and do you, feel, do you feel like the Instagram filtering and the Facebook filtering and all the filters, frankly, anything – is it causing people to have skewed sense of self or, or what's it doing to women? I mean, I loathe it, to be honest with you. I don't do selfies. You won't see me on there snapping my like, I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. And what I do love is that you're noticing selfies are becoming less part of the culture, um, which is great. Or it's weeding out people that want to actually get back to their lives and do something meaningful then sit around trying to create this persona and project it online. I love hate social media, but for me, honestly, I don't even think it drives business to my door. And so 
I don't, it's social media for me is such a catch-22. I like having the presence there, but at the same time, I don't rely on it to generate business. And I don't think anybody should. Um, I do think it helps build community and it helps build, you know, relationships a little bit differently. I'm thinking to myself, I should have gone to school for plastic surgery because I'm thinking in about, you know, 10 years, some of these really young people that are putting all these crazy filters on their faces are going to, you know, start seeing what happens as you, as you, you know, get older and as you start, you know, changing and your, and your perspective starts to change and you start having different relationships and, you know, your environment changes because what's happening in those spaces is is not real. Yeah. And I think women particularly, women entrepreneurs in particular, especially, you know, older women entrepreneurs and even older women that are in corporate spaces, it becomes a little bit of a challenge with the way women are portrayed online. Mm. This feeling of having to always stay perfect yeah. and always stay young and not have any blemishes or, or, yeah. or, or, you know, your hair is always immaculate, you know, that's a lot of pressure on women, especially women entrepreneurs, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's women that are not even letting you know how old they are. I would probably say I'm probably one of those women, I'll be blunt, but it's tough. And you're in the beauty business, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in a place where you're trying to help people feel good from the inside yeah. first, not dealing with the outside first. So it's really a full you know, experience. Yeah. I mean, even if you, if you look at our social, social media, mm-hmm. you're not seeing a bunch of faces and perfect skin. And that's just not our brand. It's never been who we are as a brand. It's product shots and it's workshops and it's things that actually would, if you're interested in what we do, entice you to want to come in and learn more. Um, it's not an image. You know, we are not an image-based business. We are a feel-good business. We're a tangible business where you're coming in to actually address things that are holding you back. And so, you know, like attracts like. So hopefully through our social media and what we put out there, that's, you know, we're attracting people who really want to do the work. Something authentic. They don't want to, they don't want to filter to make it go away because that's not how it works. So I do believe there will be a day where the selfie is dead. What is bitchcraft? It's just a fun play on being your authentic self and not being afraid to be called a bitch when you're in your craft. How did you come up with bitchcraft? What I happened? I kind of thought about it. You know, we were rebranding in, in some respect and going from all white. And I was like, I really want to shift to black. Um, and when we opened up the second location in Gold Coast, I went with more black and dark colors. And so I was just in a mood. When you, <laughs> what kind of mood was it, Kate? You know, just I was feeling more of my darker side. Not like negatively dark, yeah. but just more edgy and more daring and more I'm not going to take shit anymore. And I'm tired of letting people get my ear about certain things that are just it's total nonsense. And so for me, I think a lot of it was shedding of the the original ruby room which was light bright and airy and saying you know what everybody has a little bit of that like dark devious side and that it's necessary to bring it out when you need it and so bitchcraft was just like my little you know sparkle power like you know what i'm not afraid you want to call me a bitch while i'm doing my craft so be it i'll call myself (laughs) bitchcraft i love the t-shirt i mean i i i had it on one day at my kids swim meet and 
my son <laughs> died. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I was like, that's what I was. That was the mood I was in. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted. I wanted to attract that kind of energy. And I was like, bitchcraft. Mm-hmm. What you got to say, bitchcraft? That's right. He's like, yeah, mom. mess with me. Mess with <laughs> you me. You said we can't curse. Like, Your mom's a bitch. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I know you my girls me. go to a Catholic school, and I always threaten. I'm coming in with bitchcraft today, exactly. and they're like, mom. No. When it comes to attracting new customers, we've talked about the experience when you're inside the store. How do you attract new people who don't know where Ruby Room is, what it is, mm-hmm. or that it exists? And what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who wants to start that type of experiential business to, to be able to put their flag up and say, hey, I'm over here and mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing? A lot of our business, uh, most of our business is word of mouth. Press is very helpful. Um, and so all along the way, I have always maintained good relationships with the press and writers and just saying this is what's new and this is what we're working on. I've never been somebody that spends a lot of money on marketing and ads because I didn't have it, first of all, and I couldn't quantify what it was bringing in. So for me, it's like you have to knock it out of the park more often than not with who walks through your door and that if you're doing your job and you're putting all your energy into it, you will see the result from the word of mouth and them saying, you got to come in. Oh, my God, I saw my aura on a camera. You got to come in and we can do it. You know, they'll do it for you for free, that kind of thing. Make the education and the, the, the things that kind of the aha moments, make them accessible to anybody. Everybody should be able to see their energy on a screen, you know, because then the conversation becomes very different and it becomes tell me more I have these patterns I want to get rid of them I you know I have a terrible I'm in depressed I'm going through a divorce I, you know I just lost my job and people get transparent really quick once somebody becomes transparent with you that's the relationship begins and you can really do the work you know Ruby Room is really here to take people wherever they are in this given moment and to take away the shame of walking through life and having all of those emotions that we do. Life is difficult. And so the more you learn how to navigate those difficult times in a way that our light bright and airy, and that does put a smile on your face and reassures you that you don't need to be perfect and that so-and-so's Instagram of perfection is not reality. There's a realness aspect to our business that I feel reverberates and so when one person goes out and they feel great when they leave ruby room that is our best form of marketing and attraction do people get you when they go to ruby room yeah yeah i'm on the floor i mean i love to work on the floor i love having conversations with people i love doing readings when people walk in i do tours i change the toilet paper i do whatever needs to happen but I love having my hands in the space. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. You gave me a reading a long time ago when I had you come in and give a presentation during one of my workshops. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that. I want to do it again. Come in. What type of reading? What did you do? We did an essence reading. So we have 14 vibrational sprays, and we begin every service um, with a reading. So you come in. You pick a card, and then you funnel all your energy during your treatment into that specific intention. 
They're just dead on. I've been in trade shows where I've done literally thousands of readings and they're just they the cards don't lie. Energy doesn't lie. You can't trick energy. You've done thousands of readings at one event. Yeah. And how have you been able to rejuvenate yourself? Because that sounds to me like an energy zapper. It's like exhausting. you just you're you know, you end up collapsing like you just thrown out your whole well you when you take yourself out of the equation it's not me doing the reading I'm just facilitating it and they're in their own bubble and energy so I'm not taking on their stuff I just get to be a witness and watch their face when they pick what they pick and I say how does that resonate and just be kind of the container for them to realize holy smokes I can't you know that is so true and tears come and smiles come sometimes it's anger but whatever it drudges up is very real. And I like to, it's it's rewarding to be witness to that because no matter what it is, it's a real feeling. You are so clear. I've just enjoyed this conversation because it is not something that is part of my normal day-to-day. And one of my questions earlier was how do I, as an entrepreneur, get myself healthier? How do I make myself myself beautiful? Mm-hmm. And some of these things that, and strategies you're describing, probably I should start implementing a little bit. Maybe part of part of work, Esther, we should start having a, you know, once a month track to Ruby Room and, you know, have ourselves cleanse a little bit so that we can be rejuvenated for the work ahead. Does that sound like a plan? I'm not going to make a promise in the air. Because, you know, Ruby Room ain't cheap. You're buying, I'm flying. Yeah. It's not, she ain't cheap. I'll I mean, just really. cry in the sauna if it doesn't work. Just out. A sauna. Yeah. <laughs> Even just putting together your yeah. own energy kit that you use to keep your energy clear on a daily is a great place to start. And it's something that is tangible and you can physically use to shift your thinking. An energy kit. An energy kit. Okay. Well, you know what? Kate, this wow. has been remarkable. You are a remarkable woman. Um, I'm so excited to have watched your journey all these years. I'm, I feel so blessed and honored that we got to meet back a long time mm-hmm. ago at that beautiful house. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Mm, thanks for having me. I love the opportunity to talk about energy and how to keep it sparkly and clear. I mean, we are, if everyone could just own their stuff, imagine what the world could be. This has been an amazing conversation. I know a lot of people will gain a lot of insight and knowledge and wisdom for this. Thank you so much for being sincere and open. I'm Esther. I'm Ginger. I'm Kate. And this is The Honest Field Guide. We'll talk to you next time. The Honest Field Guide podcast is produced by Burke Creative, written and created by Ginger Birkenbuehl and Esther Coro. The podcast is recorded in the innovation and technology capital of the Midwest, Chicago. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carroll. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only and only represent the views of Ginger Burke and Buell and Esther Ikoro. Mm-hmm.